Ladies and gentlemen, it's Coach Ballgame and Coach Chop talking shop. How you doing today, bearded one? I'm doing well. How you doing, bud? It's May 3rd, 2022, and uh, I think this will come out May 4th, which is tomorrow. And uh, may, the, may the 4th be with you. May the 3rd be with you. Mm. Um, I've never seen a Star Wars movie. How about that? I don't believe that. I don't believe that. That's amazing. Wow. I've seen snippets of the original, uh, but honestly, yeah, I just never got into it. Uh, my dad loved sci-fi, but I just did not. And uh, yeah, I mean, and every kid I ever tell that to is like, no way, coach ball game. But it's true. That's amazing. So were you a Star Trek guy then? Or you just like weren't watching a bunch of TV or what, what, what's the story? There? I think I was more of a William Shatner and Spock fan i mean i love those two guys but yeah i think i'm i'm more entertained by uh by earth and and human stuff I like that i like that uh, tj so, you're a big tj hooker guy william shatner oh. TJ hooker. that was a great show shatner man we got to get him on the on the pod uh today is maybe one of my favorite guests uh it's one of my best friends um and it, you might not know him by name, listener, but you've seen movies that he's been in. You've seen TV shows that he's been in. He's been acting for 40 years, um, and his name's Don Harvey, and I call him Don Harvey the actor. I also call him Swede Risberg because mm. uh, if you're watching on the YouTube, uh, and Tommy does a great job of getting the videos out so we can post them on YouTube, that is a blown-up photo of the 1919 Chicago White Sox. And they made a movie about it called Eight Men Out, and Don was in it. Don was Swede Risberg. We're going to tap into that. That's faux show. Um, mm. But, yeah, uh, I'll give a more formal introduction when he comes on in a few minutes. But uh, just a journeyman actor, the, the guy has worked with the likes of Costner and Bruce Willis and Liam Neeson and Sean Penn and Jeff Bridges and Cusack. And wow. a, 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 you, you've heard of uh, – six degrees of separation with uh kevin bacon i i think he i think it's five degrees of separation with don harvey <laughs> wow the guy he's just he just works and he loves grinding uh, but he also loves ba loves baseball he's from detroit so he's a big big tigers fan so i might have a little trivia game today on detroit tigers trivia uh hope you're ready for that coach I'm ready for um, but I'm feeling good, man. I, I, I'm feeling good. There's no doubt that getting back to work and getting back to this podcast, it just helps me. It helps my mental state. So I am in a good place. How are you? I'm good. I want to know a little bit more about uh, how you and Mr. Don Harvey met. Like, where's the, what's the impetus of this relationship with? Uh, so great, great Mr. question. Harvey. Thank Love you. Love that thoughtful question there. Thank you. Yeah. Inquisitive. Um, Back in my thespian days, you know, I, uh, I actually minored in theater arts at Brown University. I majored in business econ, but I don't know one thing about business economics. And I'm realizing that now that we're in the process of buying a house and uh, getting into escrow and uh, you guys have helped on all the loan things. And Indeed. I know I took classes on, uh, on, on the words of loan and, you know, the, all, of those, all of those words um, that involve business and economics, uh, but I wasn't interested. So I really didn't pay attention. And now it's coming back to bite me. What I did pay attention to was um, my buddy on the baseball team who invited me to an acting class. 
Uh, and I went and I fell in love, fell in love with uh, the whole process of acting. And, and we're definitely going to, we're going to nerd out on acting with Don. Um, but I met him on a movie. Uh, my friend wrote a movie called Holy Ghost People. And uh, it was about a snake handling um, Pentecostal uh, church in the hills of Tennessee. And, uh, and I uh, played a small role in it. And, and Don was kind of my best friend in the movie. And we immediately hit it off. We just talked about baseball and the Tigers and music. He's also a great guitar player. So um, that was 2012. And in the last decade, we've played dozens of gigs together uh i've played the drums with him we um we, we've had such bands as the don uh we've had uh, a band called the nantucket uh salmon pants band mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> where it was just the two of us um we each have four-year-old daughters now so lots of lots of bounce house parties uh he lives up in santa monica i mean he he drove my aunt from santa monica to our wedding um just a great guy and um and one of my best pals so yeah that's how we met i love that the nantucket salmon pants band is oh yeah my oh, new yeah. favorite band absolutely he's kind of like a big brother to me and and when i told dad hey you know i'm i'm in a movie with this guy don harvey uh, he's like wait swede risberg and eight men out like yeah um, his first gig was in the untouchables. So, I mean, he's literally like in a scene with Kevin Costner. Uh, he had a few TV spots before that, but, um, I, what I'm excited to talk about is kind of the parallels with acting and baseball mm. and, and how there's so many different, I mean, you hear me reference it all the time on this podcast, uh, of things I've learned either by auditioning or, or not getting parts and not getting roles and correlating that to the game of baseball. And, uh, and I had it happen last night at a sandlot where, uh, you know, there was just failure after failure after failure, but I had a young lady at the sandlot who would not let that beat them. And they just kept turning the page and it was her first night. She didn't know anybody. She was the only girl there. And boy, she taught us all a lesson on, uh, I'm bouncing back and she got the bounce back award last night and then she ended up hitting the ball really well her last at bat so um lots to dive into uh, we'll probably be up against it with tommy gold going to class so just let us know when we got to get out of here tommy gold but um that's that's my story i'm sticking to it how you doing love that and uh yeah it's i love hearing about the young lady last night bouncing back and just responding. That's, that's the, uh, the message to our team uh, coming up today, state champion or state playoff game, first round. And, we got uh, a big one. We got a big one. Uh, tell, uh, tell the listener what's going on tonight in the state of Arizona with you and your team. Got a four o'clock ball game. Uh, you've got Push Ridge Christian Academy versus Tanka Verde. That is the Lions versus the Hawks. And uh, that's a big ball game. The uh, season uh, series currently is two to zero lions bang and uh we're just looking to uh to play solid baseball and if something doesn't go our way just respond individually and as a team and uh, if we do that uh we're going to be hopefully advancing to the next uh next round which would be saturday so one pitch at a time when you woke up this morning were you a little more nervous than for a regular season game 
No, I think my life experience has helped me for, for this, uh, keeping it in perspective, uh, being a firefighter right back in the day. So it's like, it's not life or death. That's a big thing that kind of keeps a lot of things in perspective. Very excited, but not nervous. Uh, we've got a really good club and, uh, and we've been playing really good baseball. So uh, it's just keep doing what you're doing. Try to beat the game, try to throw strikes, put the ball in play, run the bases smart and play catch on defense. And you do that. Good things will happen, and if uh, you know if the other team outplays us, God bless them. And uh, uh, yeah, I feel good about our team. I, I woke up excited. Uh, I woke up at I woke up earlier than normal. I woke up at about four thirty, and uh, did an hour of cardio. And I've already been to the field twice. So you know, the more I think about it, maybe my actions are speaking louder than my words. Maybe I am a little nervous. <laughs> I think you're uh. pumped up. I think you're pumped up. What do you What do you go into the field to do? You just checking the grass. Well, uh, that's funny you ask. I am checking the grass. Uh, we got it down to about a half inch, which is like fairway length, five eighths of an inch, dialed in. Ruben Proper is my guy, just dialing it in. Mm, uh, ubiquitous. Ubiquitous. Uh, but no, we're, uh, I've actually going back and forth filling up coolers with ice. It's a four o'clock start today, and, uh, and that's 90 plus degrees out here. So I want to make sure the boys are hydrated and uh, been to the store already, got all kinds of their favorite drinks and their favorite sunscreen. Yeah, their favorite sunscreen, Neutrogena, 70 plus. And uh, so, yeah, I've been back and forth because I want to keep filling up coolers with ice and we'll have ice towels and misting fans and pop-up deals. We're going to be dialed in. Hashtag servant leader. Let's go. Hashtag servant leader, man. For the listener out there, it, you know, this guy, this bearded dude, he comes to my summer camp last summer and, you know, he he's... He wor he's worked with the Dodgers and the Giants, and he knows more baseball than anybody everywhere, and he asks if he can drag the field. He doesn't ask to teach the kids how to hit. Uh, Coach Chop teaching, teaching me how to be a servant leader, and all those kids, they watched you dragging that field as you walked around um, as if you were a donkey or a mule just dragging that thing, and they saw that. And we say this all the time, kids, watch what you do way more than they listen to what you say. And they all saw that same thing with a, an assistant coach yesterday. Um, I've talked about this on the podcast. My first reaction is to keep the thing moving. I really don't want things to get stagnant and, and kids to get bored. But I noticed this, this coach was coaching a different group and he was spending probably two minutes on a knee talking with this kid. And I wanted to say, Coach, let's keep it moving. There you go. You got nine kids out there uh, that, that are playing, you know, rock, paper, scissors with each other. But I was like, hold up. There's something going on with that kid. There's a mental health issue going on. There's some, there, there's a, there's a moment there, a, a teaching lesson. And I bet all the other nine kids seeing that coach, that 50 year old man with a big beard on a knee, like loving on that kid, that visual will stick with them longer than coach ball game wanting to move things along. So, um, add a boy, add a boy servant leader. Thank you. What's that coach's name there from last night? I want to add a well, boy. That's coach, coach beard. That's coach beard. Cause he's got he a, is. he's got a three times the size of you beard. He's, he's always mm. rocking the blue jeans construction, uh, worker. Uh, you know, he manages a construction, uh, firm and, and, you know, he just rolls in at four o'clock after work and helps me out a couple days a week for the love of the game. He love just love, you know, like us, he thrives on it. And uh, that's another thing our, our guest today, Don Harvey has done is he's come in 
and won't won't accept any of my payments, but he helps. He he coaches the kids sometimes uh, just because he loves baseball. And and it really is a job that helps your mental state. It, it just it it makes you a better dad and a better person and it gives you that perspective you need. You know, we, we were just talking before we pushed live on the podcast, you know, my wife's best friend just moved to Texas and it's like every day, every year you live, there's struggle and there's more, uh, there's more challenges that you got to face. But if you can provide yourself with a job or a community that, that helps you battle through those challenges, then, then you can do it. And coaching kids definitely, definitely helps me, man. So uh, I'm, I'm pretty pumped for your, your first game tonight. I know there's going to be maybe a moment or two that, that the kids get a little bit riled up or nervous or anxious, maybe even three, four, five times uh, where maybe you're down. Uh, do you have a, a speech? Do you have something to say to them or do you want to keep it, keep it relaxed? What do you got? Uh, we've already talked about it as a staff that we anticipate that happening multiple times throughout this potential stay out state playoff run. And just knowing that we're built for it and we we're equipped for it and to breathe and to slow the game down and to trust each other and to know that we have strength in our numbers and our preparation and we're built to bend, but not break. So we, uh, we've talked about it. We're, we expect that as a staff, uh, that it's baseball, you know, there's going to be an air, there's going to be a strikeout, there's going to be a walk, there's going to be something that doesn't go our way, but we're really excited to see these boys respond. They've responded all year. And, uh, you know, as a coach, like that's what you're most proud of. Like the, the easy win is that that's fun too. But like, when you talk about a source of pride, it's when your boys or your girls come through a tough moment and they come through in spades. And that's when, as a coach, you're just so proud of them. So man, oh man. Well, talk about coming in in a, in a big moment. I, uh, I see our guest has arrived, and I'm going to go ahead and give him the formal. <laughs> What's up, Coach? Introduction. Hey, uh, ladies and gentlemen, um, we got a guest today, and he's a Michigan native. Uh, Chopper, uh, he went to the University of Michigan, undergrad, master's degree at Yale School of Drama. Yeah, baby. Uh, in the 1980s. You <laughs> saw him in the Untouchables. The Beast of War, Casualties of War, Eight Men Out, and an episode of Miami Vice. And I saw all of them with my dad. <laughs> in the 90s, you saw him in Die Hard 2, Hudson yeah. Hawk, American Heart, yeah, mm. The Thin Red Line, uh, TV Wise, ER, NYPD Blue, and every other TV show that's ever been made. He's been in it. <laughs> Recently, Yellowstone, epic, Better Call Saul, epic. And uh, right now you can see him in uh, We Own This City on HBO. It's one of the best pals I've got. He's one of the best guitar players the world's got. <laughs> Don Harvey. Oh, thank you, Coach Chopper. You guys are awesome. Good morning. I love, I love your show. It's amazing. Love watching. Yeah, Don, I, I sent drive. Don a, a couple of uh, of the of the episodes and you've been listening, huh? Huh? Coach. Oh Sweet yeah. Risberg? Oh yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, I do a lot of driving, so uh, I love to listen to it while I drive. And, and, and Diane, my wife, is springing in my breakfast now. I know you love to talk about breakfast, so... Uh... Oh, let's give Diane an attagirl. One, two, it. three. Attagirl. How's there that little is. lady Ashley doing? Uh, she's wonderful. She's in school right now, and uh, she's four years old. She just turned four. Yeah. Which uh, I know it's, it's, it's kind of bizarre. I mean, you guys know what it's like to have young kids, but you're young kids yourself. So, you know, when you get to be my age and you get the opportunity to have a, a, a little, your first child, it's a, it's quite a trip. It's a lot of yeah, fun. It's amazing. It's some work, huh? How you doing there? I, I see you spend a lot of time with her, man. All the time. Well, I'm an actor, so I'm at home. I mean, I, I live in this apartment here in Santa Monica and I, uh, it's a beautiful place. We live near the ocean, but uh, we got the, we got mom and me and Ashley. And, uh, you know, so my work usually revolves around trying to figure out a time to do what I got to do, but at the same time, having lots of fun with them and making sure that everybody's happy. So it's a, lot, it's a lot to juggle, but it, it keeps you young. That's right, buddy. Well, you've introduced me to a lot of great friends. And I, I want to introduce you to one of mine. That's Chad Chop right there. He uh, Love it, he came Chop. to my, you know, he came to last last year's summer camp, brought his kids, and right away just had this vibe, just like uh, just like us. Just hey, man, uh, I, I, I'm positive. You're positive. We're positive. And he just an uplifting voice right away. And I and he's like, we should start a podcast. And I was oh. like, yeah, that <laughs> Great sounds idea. pretty good. Great and, uh, idea. You guys are then, you guys are a great duo. And really then Mookie fun. Betts, Dave Roberts, Hunter Pence, Brandon Crawford, Brandon Belt later. I'm like, yeah, we should start a podcast. <laughs> Everybody loves this dude. Um yeah. and and you know, it, it's been fun. I think this is episode 30 something, and uh this is probably one of the most exciting ones for me, just having the Don on. So oh. I appreciate you coming, um, at Chopper. I'll let you lead it off. You, you got anything? Uh, I got one today. Yeah, Don. Very nice to meet you. Thank you so much for coming on. What are you eating for breakfast? I'll ask it. Well, I, I've got here bacon and eggs. Yes, which is, you know, just traditional. Yeah, bacon oh standard. Gosh, look at that. Here, a nice Kodiak oh. waffle. Oh, you're oh, dialed in. Waffle, which Ashley eats every day. A waffle. So I'm yeah. to join her. <laughs> I've been dieting, you know, been dieting pretty heavy. I would kind of found this fast metabolism diet, which is a lot of, uh, you know, fruit, vegetables, and uh, protein. So some of this stuff isn't on the diet, but, uh, you know, you got every once in a while, you got to just take a little break just to remind yeah. yourself what it's like to eat like a regular person again. And the fun thing about that, too, is when you do that, when you're eating really good, when you do get the bacon and the eggs and the waffle, it tastes so much better than when you do it all the time. Uh, right? You boy, it. <laughs> that's the best so the question yeah, i have boy. question i have for you that uh and this is i know this is going to put you on the spot right out of the gate so i apologize but we talk about like mount rushmore's for our athletes oh boy. so you've worked with some amazing actors and you're an amazing actor yourself but can you throw four names up there that are like the ones when you sit back you're like i cannot believe i got to work with oh jeff bridges yes i love <laughs> jeff bridges uh brian de palma John Sales, who directed Eight Men Out. Um, wow. More recently. Uh, wow. You know, Bob Odenkirk comes to mind. Yeah. <laughs> yes. You know, yeah, those are good times. But um, uh, 
they have to stop at four, I guess. But uh, hey, that's really good. And uh, yeah. yeah, Bridges is, I mean, Jeff one Bridges of my favorites. Is, yeah, I, I, you know, there's a lot of people auditioning for that role. And you talk about chemistry. I don't know. I just walked in. I remember I, I, the guy who was one of the producers on the show later became a manager of mine. And now is a very good friend of mine. And he just told me that it's just something happened when, you know, when I, when I walked in the door, Jeff lit up. I lit yeah. up and it was like this connection and uh doesn't happen all the time. It's rare, but uh, when it does, it's fantastic. And that's what I tell people about when me and coach ballgame met. They say the same, the same thing, with, thing. It was the same thing with Brian De Palma, actually. You know, everyone yeah. told me that Brian De Palma, he's a, a director, he directed uh, Scarface, which is one of his most famous movies, wow. uh, The Untouchables. Uh, very dark individual, you know, uh, haunted, <laughs> but uh, it, it, almost like a Hitchcock kind of a director from the 70s and yeah. everyone said you know he is a notorious for not you know liking people and not being very receptive when you walk into auditions so just don't pay any attention to it doesn't mean he doesn't like it you know so I'm like expecting him to just not say a word and everything and uh, he was he was very dark at first and I, I finished the first scene that I read and as soon as I finished it he jumped up out of his chair and was like oh Don he came across the desk started smacking me on the back he goes all right i'm gonna read this next scene with you so he wow. got he grabbed lynn stallmaster's script and started reading with me I, I i actually read the billy drago scene you know um the, the guy where he's this was for the untouchables and um so i read two scenes from that and so i don't know i guess he just liked me for some reason but um it happens right it does you spend yeah. a lot of time trying to break through to people and a lot of times it doesn't happen. And then all of a sudden somebody comes along and you just happen to click. So it's what, what makes the world go round, right? Right. I love it. Yeah. That's great. Coach Ballgame, What do you got? So um, your wife brought in breakfast there, uh, Don Harvey, the actor, have you uh, mastered the art of acting while eating? I, ah. I never was able to do that. What do you, how, how does that work? Uh, well, you know, it, it, it's difficult because, once you start acting, you know, you, you start looking at yourself and thinking like, well, what am I doing? Is this real? Like I'm standing, what am I doing with my hands? How am I eating? <laughs> eating is one of the hardest things to do, but I'll never forget um, uh, Kevin Costner. The very first time I was ever on camera was in the Brian De Palma film, The Untouchables. And I got to sit in a, a 1929 Model T with uh, wow. the cop car with uh, uh, Kevin Costner all night. And he had this one mo moment where he took a uh, carrot, took a bite out of it, and he's eating. And he said, oh, I like to use food for, for props. You can say a lot when you're eating. And he said, you know, for example, if I, if I chew this carrot and then I see something and I stop chewing. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, wow. I went to the Yale School of Drama. This guy just told me more about acting in the last three seconds than I learned the whole time I was there. Um, <laughs> It's profound, um, but I enjoy it. Oh God, carrot the irony, acting! Hey, Man. the irony there carrot is, acting. hey, the irony there is, he was the one eating the carrot, but you were the one that had better vision after that. <laughs> huh? Right? That's Ironic. what you do, Coach Chop. That's little what you do. Little there. little dad joke. A little, a little I connection did. I, I, to I the had puns. A very clear moment there. Yes. Hmm? Well, man, I'll, I'll take it back to how, how we met and um, what a story this was. And I don't even know your side of it, but we met 
uh, on a movie my buddy Joe Egender wrote called Holy Ghost People about a snake handling Pentecostal church in Tennessee. Uh, what are the chances of a guy from Michigan and a guy from North Carolina getting there? So uh, I had known Joe forever, and um, he had written this part for me. Um, a name, uh, he's named Smiling Bob, Smiling Bobby. Uh, and, you know, that funny, I, ironically, that was my nickname as a kid was uh, Smiley. So uh, I was always a smiler, but it was supposed to shoot. Um, it was supposed to shoot in October of 2011. Uh, so I go to North Carolina from LA to North Carolina to hang out with my folks before we go shoot the movie. Well, they delay the movie until May of the next year. So that's when I drive up the East Coast to New York City to see some friends. And guess who I met? Mrs. Ballgame. Yeah. While on that trip. And then guess who came to Tennessee when we shot the movie the next uh, uh, the next year? Mrs. Ballgame. And, uh, and there he was, Don Harvey playing a guy named Brother Sherman. And we, we played good friends in the film, and we just hit it off right away. I remember... I think the first time we met we we were running lines and we just laid on this bed and we just talked about the tigers and we talked <laughs> about baseball and okay, well. uh, uh just too too much fun we had on that film but um yeah what was your what did you have to audition for that movie how'd you how'd you get there i did audition yeah that was a, that was a, a time in my career where the the roles were a little bit sparse and i was uh I was really, really looking for something. I, you know, I wanted to work really badly, and I went in on that audition. And uh, um, <clears throat> yeah, the, the directors weren't there. I just had to put myself in tape for the casting director. Didn't didn't even meet them until I got to the set. And man, was it a trip! We were out at a girls' camp, yeah, just outside of Nashville, uh, and it was just like the budding spring, and uh, you know, there was just birds singing and uh we we stayed out in these little uh we each had our own little bungalow that we stayed in it was outside there was no heat and boy in the middle of the night <laughs> it would get to be about i don't know 40 degrees out there and you had these little tiny blankets be shivering all night oh yeah single beds. In the and go to the mess hall where they had some heat in there you know and eat breakfast but uh, yeah the first time i walked on the set the first person i talked to was coach ballgame and he introduced himself as Coach Ballgame. And uh, I remember I was trying to get that that Southern accent down. And I heard it. I, I heard him say a couple of words. And I was like, all right, I'm going to just stand here and talk to this guy for a while. And, and after a few minutes, I, we were both just laughing our, our keisters off. It was pretty fun. That was really fun. And and we we played talk some about catch. Chemistry, yeah. uh, we Pardon? played some catch and, uh, and, oh, and yeah. you know, just, just hung out. And, and I think... You taught me a lot uh, about you know, the life of, of a journeyman actor. You know, you'd done the biggest movies, uh, you know, in the 1980s and the 90s. You'd worked with the Sean Penns and um, uh, the, the Bruce Willis's. And, and here you are on a small, small budget film. Um, and you're giving it your all. And, you know, we had rehearsals and, and we were just playing and... Um, it, it, it you kind of showed me you know what you can just uh, you show up you be very prepared um but because you're prepared when it's game time you get to just play and you get to be present 
And I saw that, uh, I saw that when, when, when the camera started rolling, you know, it was like, you're just being you, you're just natural. And I was like, Oh, we're, this is the key to acting. And I was reading an article, uh, about, about your path and, you know, you've been doing it for 40 years, even longer than that. And just recently you, you kind of had that realization that, um, you can just be you. Is that right? Yeah. You know, I studied acting from way back. I started in high school and, uh, you know, did a bunch of plays. I, I pretty much didn't think I was going to act after high school. So I went to college, didn't, um, didn't pursue it, but uh, a guy named Greg Jabara, who was actually in Blue Bloods, he's a, he's a pretty famous actor, won a Tony Award. We went to college together, and he was in a play, and I was playing the guitar in the orchestra pit. And uh, he said, "What well, you know? Why why aren't you up on stage with us? You know?" And I was like, "Oh, I'm not good enough to be you know to be up on there with you guys. You know, you guys are out of my league." And he was like, "Nah, man." So I I started auditioning for plays, and I got back into it. And uh, when I went to Yale, you know, it just it just seemed like it was this big deal. You know, acting is this big thing. You study it and you, you, you work on sense memory where you try to try to remember things that happened to you in your life and, and bring them into your work. And you, um, you know, try to put yourself into other characters to imagine what their life is like, study their lives and everything. It just was so much work. And I did that for years, for decades as an actor. I used to just work so hard on my roles but not so much work on trying to read the lines and understand the lines, but more working on the background of the character. Who is this person, you know? But, you know, you do that for a while and, you've, and you sort of establish the person is different from you. So what, I, what I've, you know, like they, they lived a whole different life from me. I'll study their life and try to understand what they went through. But um, ultimately, after you do all that work and after you spend your life learning how to do all that work, you realize that the key to all of it is just bringing it back home to yourself because that's that's the only thing you can do as an actor when you're playing a role what are you doing i mean you're you're embodying uh, somebody's envision of, of of a situation you know they really they, they have writers they have directors you have people who are trying to recreate a situation you can't use somebody else when you're in that situation you have to use yourself you have to be yourself you have to bring yourself all your experience and yeah, that's something I kind of learned recently. Yeah, I love this quote you had uh, in that article: "Never let them catch you acting." Right, <laughs> and that makes so much sense, and it's such a parallel to uh, baseball and and the the lives we live as coaches. We're always trying to ensure to these kids that we coach. There's no difference between your practice and your game. Uh, mm -hmm. There's no. There should be no difference in in the world of acting from from who you are off camera as who you are on there's obviously uh, things that have to uh, you know have to be done to to make the scene work but that makes so much sense if um one of my favorite actors sam rockwell he told me uh you've got to be able to over prepare before you go on set and then take that big notebook and throw it in the trash. Joe Buck, our mutual friend said the same thing before he goes into a big game. Uh, that's exactly what, what needs to happen when you go play a baseball game, you prepare that week, you prepare, you know, coach shop's got a big playoff game tonight. They've put the work in, they've prepared, they've learned their lines. They know who their guy is. They just got to make sure they don't make the game bigger 
than it really is. And, and I think you taught me that on the set when we, when we met and uh, you, you teach me that uh, when we're playing music too, you know, we're rehearsing for a gig. Uh, we're putting in the work there. So the parallels to art and sports, they're just, they're, they're nonstop. And, and, you know, I, uh, I appreciate you teaching me that brother. Well, yeah. I mean, the thing is about sports is you're absolutely right. When you step on the field, you know, your heartbeat shouldn't change. Who you are shouldn't change your desires, your, your mental capacity. You should just be a seamless uh, transition from being in the dugout to walking to the batter's box. You know, it's because that's, that's what really separates the greats is that they can just bring everything who they are, be as relaxed as possible. I, I have a, a major ritual, not a ritual, but a preparation that I do for every audition and every uh, job that I do. I, I, I mean, the first thing I do when I get a script, if it's an audition or if I'm actually gonna do it, the first thing I do is I, I type the scenes into my computer. And, you know, like when you read a, a script, there's a lot of extraneous information there, you know, uh, scene 132, you know, exterior, night, uh, you know, Jim walks in from the outside, he looks tired, you know, he, he sets his bag down, he goes over to the desk, he sits down, he looks out the window for the moment, the phone rings, he picks up the phone, hello, okay, you hear all that, right? But when you walk into an audition or when you walk onto a set to work, the only thing that happens is you say, hello, right? All that other stuff is just like in your imagination. So what I decided to do years ago is just focus on the words themselves. Start with that. So I just type out all the lines, all my lines and all the other characters' lines. And I put it in like big font, you know, like uh, 1820 font so I can read it from far away. I get used to just looking at those lines on a piece of paper. Then I'll actually just type out just my lines. You know, I'll just eliminate all your lines so I can just see what I'm going to say. And then I'll really, really sit with that for a while. I'll just, uh, I'll take it to bed at night and I'll just look it over before I fall asleep. I'll look it over first thing in the morning while I'm driving. I've got big blown up 36 font copies. Then I actually record all the other lines that everyone else says. You know, I have a, a Final Cut Pro, I, I edit it, so I leave just enough space between their lines so I can say my lines. And I will just run my scene over and over and over and over and over again, a hundred times if I have to, until it just becomes second nature. Uh, you've done that for me. I, I remember you doing that in scenes we would do where, hey man, I typed, I typed up all of our lines here, you know, we can run through them. I'm the same way, man. It, you know. And I was, I was in a, I, I took a little time off acting to, to coach, but I was in a movie where a guy basically wrote coach ball game into his movie. And we were on a campsite in upstate New York. And um, I just kind of fell right back in love with the process. There's another parallel, like fall in love with how difficult the process is. If you, if you love all that homework, then, then you're good. Then you're good to go. Yeah. And I love the homework. My guy in this movie, which comes out later this year called rally caps, um, hashtag plug. Uh, <laughs> he was the camp counselor. So he, what does he, what does a camp counselor know? He knows everybody else's stuff. 
He knows every kid's nickname. He knows what everybody loves for breakfast. So obviously I didn't have to do much homework on myself because he wrote me into it. But my process was find out everything I can about all the kids. And if I can learn everything I can about every, every other character, then I can show up on set and in the moment just play. And that's when I really love acting, when I'm not thinking about my next line, uh, when I'm not worried about, <laughs> yeah, flubbing up something. It's just when we're playing and, and it almost feels like we're, we're improving. So um, that preparation, uh, it, it, can, it can free you up uh, when, when, you're, um, when you're working in practice. And maybe Chopper, I'll throw it at you. Uh, how have you kind of prepared these kids for tonight's game? Uh, how, how have you ran lines with them this past week so they're ready when Brian De Palma says action? Yeah, I love uh, – well, while Don was talking, I was taking notes and just the parallels like we've talked about to sports is – talked about having a routine where he gets a script and he writes everything out and, and takes in all these details. My wife says the devil's in the details, but he gets all these details so he can really have a true picture of what he's doing. I love that. And he has a process, right? So uh, I love that too. I want to touch on something that uh, Don said earlier for our kids out there that are growing up. I want them to be that friend who breathes life into their friend. So Don, you talked about your buddy where you were like, man, I don't belong on that stage. You know, I'm, you guys are way out of my league. And he's like, Don, you're, you're, you're as good as we are, if not better. And he breathed life into you. And now look at where you're at 40 plus years later. So for our kids that are listening to this, be that friend who, when the good Lord tugs on your heart to say something encouraging, say it. And you never know what that can mean to, to your buddy. Um, so I love that picture of just him breathing life into you and, and it turning into to this, which is really cool. Um, yeah, a big so, moment. Huge. Yeah. Big moment. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So for athletes, your confidence comes through preparation. So that's the message that I'll give to my kids today. And we talk about it almost daily, but we're prepared. We've gone through every situation. Um, for me as a coach, my style, uh, I'm a little bit harder on them at practice because in the game, that's where all these variables you can't control come into play and you have to be the calming influence. So tonight, it's just going to be making sure I love them through whatever comes our way. Um, but we're prepared and we're ready. And uh, I'm so proud of these kids. Win, lose, or draw. So thankful for who they are. Coach Ballgame, you know this. They brought me to tears on senior night. And uh, they're just such a special group. And uh, so I love them. I cannot wait to go through this battle with them. If we win, we're going to win with honor. If we lose, we're going to lose with grace. And we're going to learn a life lesson. And uh, we'll be better for it either way. So really excited. Uh, Don, I got a question for you. You talked about there being times in your life where there were some lean times or some, some spots where you couldn't find a lot of roles. How did you stay positive? How did you stay in the moment? How did you continue to believe and keep putting that right foot forward after the left and just keep going? Well, I've always, I've always just believed that I belong there, you know, that I belong there. And if there's some reason why I have to take a detour and it, I just use it as an opportunity to search my soul a little more and, and dig a little deeper, you know, and, uh, I, I always absolutely believe that I'm going to get every role that I auditioned for. Maybe there's a couple of them where I say, you know what, this is a stretch. I, this guy is not, I'm not, you know, and uh, this is a big, this is a huge role in a movie and, you know, maybe, but um, for the most part, I always believe from the moment I get an audition that I, that I already got the role. 
And, you know, the auditions to me are actually part of the fun, you know, I, and I think if you can approach it that way, it's the same thing with, you know, with working practice, if, if playing a sport, you know, don't just think of playing as being the thing that you're doing. Everything about it is what you're doing, the practicing and the preparing and the studying, because you love it. I mean, nobody loves baseball more than coach ballgame. So, I mean, you know, right? You, you love everything about it, looking at stats, hearing about yeah. people, studying things, tendencies that people have, you know, it's the same thing with acting. I, I just, if I'm not working a lot, I like watching movies. I like going to plays. I like reading plays. I'm always going to find the next thing to do in my, in my evolution. And, you know, even if it's not going off to do a TV show or something, even if it's just staying home and reading plays, that's what I'm going to do, you know, because when the time comes, I want to be ready. And, you know, about that thing, typing all that stuff in the computer, recording all those lines. The thing about that is while I'm doing that, I'm actually learning the role. While I'm typing those lines in, I'm, I'm, they're going through my head. I'm thinking about them as I'm typing. Oh, that's interesting. If you're just reading them on the page and you're reading them and you're reading them, that's the way you're taking them in. You're just reading them. You're reading that script. And it looks the same way every time you look at it. And it feels the same. After a while, you don't even see it. But you type it into the computer now and you're thinking about it differently. Then it looks a little differently on that page. Now you're recording it. You're saying the other people's lines. You're doing their line reading. And then after you do all that work, what do you got? You got this great tool to practice with. Run your lines with yourself. I'm sure it's the same thing with baseball, you know, putting the tape on your bat or, you know what I mean? Or um, working on a, rubbing a ball or something. You know, it's like you're, you're just bonding with the game. Am I right? Oh, we talked about it with Daniel Bard, uh, just kind of the mental game you're trying to play to get outside your own head. Yeah. Uh, so he had the yips and it, for you know the better part of a decade, he just couldn't find the strike zone. Now he's back. He's the closer of the Rockies. He's hmm. found this positive external thought um, along with a couple of cues, mental cues to kind of get him where he, he needs to be. And you know, for me, if I'm, if I'm acting or if I'm prepping, prepping for a scene, I, under every line that's my characters, I'm writing, well, what would James say in this? Or, or like, what's the subtext behind it, you know? And then I really, I, I can get into it because we're having a chat right now. We're not thinking of our next line. We're, we, we just have all this bubbling subtext underneath what we're listening to. We're just listening and reacting. So um, say it's the same thing that, that, that game of baseball game of golf, there's, that you're always just trying to get outside your own brain and, and the psychology of it, it can be such an obstacle. So, um, man, I, I love, I love baseball. I love talking baseball, thinking baseball. I also love talking acting. And, uh, and, and this is a great quote about talking about talking acting. This was from your article you sent over as well. I love this. The best actors are willing to be vulnerable. Uh, they're willing to do it badly. And when I had an acting teacher tell me I'm allowed to do it badly, I'm allowed to fall flat on my face, that's when it freed me up. <laughs> that's when, that's when, that's when I, I got comfy as, as an, I felt like I belonged. I felt like I could, I could belong. And same thing happens when, when a baseball coach tells me you can do badly right now. 
Amazing. Chopper, what do you got there? Term I like to use for my players is be confident and fearless, right? Be confident and fearless. Our confidence comes through our preparation and our fearlessness comes through a coach that just frees you up. Hey, if you're going to make a mistake, be aggressive. Similar with acting probably. Hey, go be aggressive with this. Like, let's see what you can do, you know? And uh, if it stinks, we'll do it again. But uh, as a coach, for me, it's like, I want my kids to be confident and fearless. And Don, the question... Oh, yeah. put that energy. The, the question I had uh, along those lines, did you have an actor or a, or a teacher or director that, that gave you that same message or, or kind of let you know in the moment, oh, they're flawless. They're, I mean, they're, they have flaws as well. <laughs> they're freeing me up to, to fall flat on my face. Well, you know, after all these years, I've met somebody named Jack Stalin. He's a, uh, he, does, he runs an acting sort of a workshop I wouldn't really call it a class I just meet every Saturday and he's been doing this for a long time he's he went to Juilliard was a successful actor in New York on Broadway did a lot of television and films and you know he just pretty much ended up doing a lot of equity waiver theater directing it here in, in LA and working with younger actors and 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 helping people to develop and uh I just started working with him a couple of years ago and uh it's amazing to me that the whole different focus when you're when you're not thinking about all the technical things that actors think about but you're just really just thinking about being honest you're just being completely free it's I, probably the same thing in baseball after you study and you, you know you you're working out at you know fielding and throwing and hitting and all those things eventually you just get to the point where like you say, there's no difference in your heartbeat between when you're in the moment and when you're just living, living your life. You got to bring yourself. And that relaxation is the key. Uh, I just started to experience it recently in a way I never had before, which is just stop. Crit- you know, the thing about when you're acting, there's these voices in your head <laughs> and they're saying, you know, oh, you're not this. You're terrible. Oh, you're going to mess up this line. Oh, that was really bad what you just did. And you hear these things, right? So you spend your time trying to silence those voices and like say, I, I don't want to. After a while, you know, you just get to a point where you say, that's fine. I love hearing all those voices, all those things saying all that negative stuff. It's fine. It's just part of who I am. That, those are voices in the character's head. It's the same thing, I think, when you're, when you're playing baseball, you know, or you're playing a sport. If you start to feel like negative or whatever, apprehensive, just let it go. Just let it happen. Don't don't fight it. Just be just be in it. Let it let it push you forward through it. Am I right? Um, t- you're totally right. And, and breathe. And that's the thing I thought breathe. of too. Mookie Betts came on, talked about the importance of breathing. Hunter Pence, same thing. And now that we've talked about that a lot and and shared that with our listeners, I see it every game on TV. Oh, yeah. Almost every at bat, I see right. a, a hitter. Take those deep, long breaths. You see pitchers do it all the time. And I think I used to think, oh, that's a that's a fear-based thing. That, right. that, that they're doing that out of fear. Um, and now full circle, no way. That that is a cue. That is a that is that is a way to to kind of embrace, okay, I am in this big moment I, and I'm gonna embrace it. And I'm gonna live in it honestly and genuinely. And um, yeah, I, I, I teach it every day now to my kids. I say, hey, you look out of breath. Let's do the five and five. Five seconds in your nose, five seconds out your mouth. Uh, I also do that when I'm scared. 
I do that when I'm nervous. I do that when I'm angry. And after about the third time of doing it, I forgot what I was angry about. I forgot what I was scared of. And it really relates with these kids. So uh, that's a line coaches use it, do it. Um, because boy, those nerves can really bite you in, in all walks of life, man. Anything you're scared of. Yeah. Oh, go ahead, Don. I'm sorry. No, I was just gonna say, sometimes it comes down to a sense of humor. Like sometimes when I'm feeling really negative or, you know, like I'm, I'm thinking I'm in the middle of a scene and I'm thinking this is not going well, man, I'm messing this up. <laughs> well, you know what, why not just chuckle about that? Like say, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm crazy. I'm not a good actor. I'm, I'm yeah. you know, I'm, I'm a guy. I'm just a guy. I don't know. Uh, sometimes I make mistakes, whatever. It, it's funny, you know, um, those anyway, are the moments we, that light up on a camera is, is like when you're in the middle of a scene and, and you're just honest and say, this ain't going real well. Is it? <laughs> and then the sudden, other person feeds off that. You accept that and you go in a different direction. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah, exactly. the thing, you know, when you're, when you're playing baseball, you know, you, you feel like you, you can't do anything right. It's, all of a sudden you make the best play of the game. Well, look at Chopper. What do you do with a pitcher that's struggling? You go out and you got a pocket full of what? Yeah, bring him some Altoids. I just call time, walk out, pull out some Altoids. Hey, fresh start, bud. Let's just uh, <laughs> make him laugh. You know, if you can laugh, you can get back in the moment. And whatever you're scared of, it's like, all right, man. Hey, just take a deep breath. It's okay. You know, get you an Altoid. We'll be fine. And then, you know, you get back in the moment, which is all we're really ever trying to do is if we can just get in the moment. And as coaches, it's how can we help our kids? And like, yeah, you're anxious. Mookie Betts is anxious. Like, you're not the only one. You're not on an island of fear. Like, it's we're all navigating this crazy life that we're living, and we're all just trying to do the best we can. So you're going to make mistakes. But how often can you get in the moment? And that's, as coaches, we're trying to help teach them. And that's a life skill. The game's going to come and go. But like in life, how often can you get in the moment and respond? If you make a mistake, dust yourself off, take a deep breath, and try to, if you got to make it right, make it right. But then get back in the moment and try to be great and love yourself. I love what you said earlier. You said you believe you're going to get every role. And I wrote that down because I tell my kids all the time, you have to believe in yourself. You have to believe. If you don't believe in yourself, no one else will. So it starts with your belief in yourself. And it's got to be detached from results. It's got to be detached from results. If you go 0 for 4, you still have to believe in yourself. So I love that as an actor, you talk about, I walk into a room. It's like, why aren't you guys serving popcorn? The show's about to start. I love it. That's it. That's the vibe. It's amazing. And you're going to be the best version of yourself. It's great. You know, and we were talking about preparation. You know, uh, the thing is, I had a tendency to always feel like I hadn't prepared enough, no matter how much I did. You know, I was very hard on myself. And, and I think that's one thing that this, this Jack Stalin, the guy that I, I, I kind of know, really love now. Um, basically, what he says is, doesn't matter what you've done to prepare. The moment, the moment begins, you just drop it all. Doesn't matter, you know, because you can feel like you're totally underwater. Like, oh man, I, I didn't, I didn't do enough work on this. Forget about it, man. You know, because no matter what you did, I'm sure it was enough. And you have to be sure that it's enough. Yeah, you, you give yourself 100% to try to prepare. But once you start, forget about it. Just be in the moment. That's the Texas Tech. Yeah. That's so good. And and when you're uh, when you're when you can try that, and when you tell yourself, okay, be present, be in the moment. But your first thought is, but I'm not. <laughs> I'm in my head right now. <laughs> yeah. Well, 
then then that's what your character's feeling. That's what exactly that, that's man. that's you know, and and you get in the batter's box. Okay, just let all that preparation go. I'm just present. Oh, and there's that little guy in your brain saying, "You're not present. You're thinking about me right now." Yeah. Then then be be present with that little dude. Yeah. You know that's absolutely. who you are. Chopper. Yeah, Texas Tech. Uh, they have a cool sign that uh, if you're walking out to their field in their dugout, they have an arrow pointing to the batting cage that says "Learn your swing," and they have an arrow pointing out to the field that says "Trust your swing." No. So it's cool. It's that thought of like, hey, you did what you did. Whatever it is, it's got to be enough because if you're thinking about mechanics and learning your swing on the fly, you're in trouble. You just got to compete. Right. Um, but yeah, but coach, if, if you got that little rascal on your shoulder and you're in the batter's box, timeout, then you'll see yeah. you guys do it. They'll look at their barrel. They'll breathe. Sometimes the umpire might tell them to get back in the box. They're just not ready to do it yet. And then they'll try to get clear minded. Guess who went over four with four strikeouts yesterday? The best player of our lifetime, Mike Trout. Wow. Wow. So let that soak in, kids, right? I don't bet on baseball, but if I were, I'd be betting on Mike Trout today. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah exactly. Be He's due. Yeah. But, man. Um, wow. Well, speaking of that, I, uh, I've i told you this story, Don, and, and I want to hear maybe a story on your part. But uh, th- this, is, this was one of the most humbling experiences I've ever had. If you speak to any actor, I don't know too many that love auditioning. And it takes years and decades to even just feel comfy auditioning. Um, but it definitely helped me uh, in my baseball career in the big moments when you go in and you see all these people you don't know and you're supposed to uh, dance and make them laugh and uh, or make them cry and then walk out. I go in for uh, an episode uh, of a TV show and I was ready. I just felt confident. I'd been taking acting classes for a couple of years now and I felt ready to go. And casting director knew me, brought me in. Um, and, uh, and I, I just nail it. I know I nailed it. And the, the casting director's in there, the producers, the director, there's like 15 people in there. And they're like, wow, very, very nice. And as I'm walking out the door, um, you know, uh, I, uh, I look at the casting director and I say, see you, Craig. And I immediately notice like everybody kind of looking around like a little bit lost. And I walk out the door and I immediately start to start to think, why was that such an awkward moment walking out the door? And I realized the guy I'd called Craig uh, was the casting director and his name's Scott. (laughs) Got him. (laughs) I felt so confident and comfortable to just point right at him and say, you brought me in here, brother. And I knocked it out of the park for you. See you, Craig. Um, Guy's name's Scott. Did not wow. get the role. Stay humble. <laughs> uh, humbled. Called me back four years later, and I and I booked the role. Oh. So uh, he just gave me a four year uh, four year sabbatical on that one. But man, uh, that That's so it, funny. It, it, I, I any any actor I meet, I ask him, uh, "Do you have a story similar to that? What, you got any just awful audition stories?" Oh, awful audition stories. <laughs> Oh man, I try to forget those. Oh, I I remember one time I, I went into audition for Encino Man, and uh, you know I, uh, I I I did my homework. I researched it, and I just I started studying apes, and you know I decided I was going to become an ape. So you know I had a little. I was experimenting with some mind altering stuff, and I I I kind of uh, 
just was an ape. I drove up to the, you know, uh, uh, you know, the booth where the guy lets you in, and I was just like, and I got out my driver's license, gave it to him. He looked at it, okay, checked me off. I went in. I went in, parked, went into the casting office, just went. Went into the That's audition, method, you know, folks. And, uh, yep. That's straight method. Acting. That's bananas. Oh man, the directors and everybody—they're just like, you know, okay, Don, you ready to go? Mm-hmm. I got. I was like, I was like sitting up on the back, on the back of a, of a table in the back, like sitting up, Amazing. like squatting in the corner, like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, did the whole thing and um, walked out. And uh, I remember as I was leaving, I looked back and they all looked really scared. Yeah. It's like, boy, that guy belongs in a mental institution. Well, but, I you know, yeah. These, no, go ahead. These are the things that people, you know, actors will do when they're when they really, really want to go out to the edge to try to get a role. You know, I remember Bud Court told me a story <laughs> of how he, Bud Court played Harold and Maude, and in, in, in uh, Harold and Maude, he played Harold, and uh, he's a very good friend of mine, has been for decades. He's you know, just a one of a kind person. Uh, but he went into a, a an audition one time, and um, it was a, a vulnerable part. He said, "Excuse me, um, you know, it's the director, producer, casting director, a bunch of people, a reader, and everything." He said, "I just I need to do something before I I, I actually do this audition." And uh, he took off all his clothes, <laughs> and he put them back on, and then he sat back down and he he did the audition. <laughs> wow. Just to get into a vulnerable state. Just to get into a vulnerable <laughs> Amazing. state. Amazing. Uh, still wow. not even as good as, thanks a lot, Craig. Yeah, thanks, Craig. <laughs> that's, that's still the best. See, but, Craig, uh, the, point, well, the point's the best. Oh, yeah, you got a point. See yeah, and, and, and it was close to See a Craig. Craig. It, it was like, I'm so comfy, I'm going to call you Craig. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah, see you, Craig. And that... Um, that that's that kind of traumatized me because with our mutual friend joe buck uh, he takes me out to st louis country club and i'm playing golf with a hockey hall of famer chris pronger uh you know one of the best to play uh juggernaut and uh, household name no one no one would ever forget coach chris for the first three or four holes i call him uh scott i call (laughs) chris pronger scott and finally by the fifth hole he's like hey joe who's this kid calling Scott? <laughs> no way. No way. And I looked at him and I looked at him and I said, uh, your name's not Scott, is it? He said, <laughs> it's Chris. He, and you know, being a hall of famer and a St. Louis legend, he had, uh, I don't know anything about hockey. So I have that on my side, but I think it did traumatize me not calling Scott, the casting director, Scott, that now I just call everybody Scott, Default. including Chris Pronger, NHL Hall of Famer. So uh, I can I can remember seventy nicknames, but I cannot remember uh, real names to save my life. That's just the way it goes. But you're fearless. Hey, yeah, there is that. You don't let and, that and stand then, uh, in your way. You take the exactly. shot. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, oh, now now oh, we're all rolling with now the we're going. Game hats. Let's three go. amigos. Wow. Well, this you this brings me one. down. Uh, this brings me down a character train. Uh, what what does rake mean, Coach? You uh, you tell all of our listeners about raking. Raking is a random act of kindness every day. Look for an opportunity to just be kind, and and you never know how that can impact uh, a stranger. 
and uh something mr don harvey the actor uh did he's done many things for me um is he would drive down from santa monica in a superman costume and uh would not allow me to pay him for his services as he would help coach uh camps and a lot of times i'd put him with the four and five-year-olds because he's wearing the superman costume he's just so patient with the kids uh, but just out of the kindness of your heart, man, you wanted to come down. Sometimes you'd wear your full Detroit Tigers uniform, uh, and you were Coach Swede. Because if you're looking back here, this is a, a portrait that Don Harvey had uh, blown up, and it's the 1919 Chicago White Sox team, and he gave it to me. He gave me this right here. Uh, it's probably the only one in existence, but uh, we called him Swede Risper, Coach Swede. Um, man, wh why would you do that? Why would you come down and 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 coach some kids for free brother that's raking you know why because it doesn't get any better than that come on that's coach right. ball game that's right coaching the five-year-olds on my knees trying to throw batting practice trying to throw a strike <laughs> <laughs> with a superman was... costume on i mean come on no, I so live you that. talk about a way to get that. outside your own head yeah coaching kids that'll do that man Amazing. Yeah, well now I got now I have one of my own and um, I I get I get my fill of it. But back then, uh, it it was just pretty amazing. Uh, I love to watch um, you in action, Coach. There's nobody, oh my there's nobody gosh. like it. There's, there's nobody, nobody like him. Go to Coach Ballgame's camps. All these parents send your kid to his camp. Oh my kid, this that. no, trust us. Go. He's gonna fill your cup with energy and love and joy and passion for the game. He's the best. He's not Plug. just a not just a, a unique as a coach. He's unique as a person. I you know you right. you just don't meet a lot of people like James Lowe. It just doesn't happen. That's right. You know it. Uh, and I knew that for the mo the moment I met the moment I met you, Coach. I I just was like this guy is he's different. He has a, well, a exuberance and a positive energy that just radiates a room and radiates a, a field. We all feel it. And we're wearing, we're wearing his hat. language. We're wearing you're his speaking hat. my love language, words of affirmation. You, that's that's why I got you on the podcast. You're you're uh, well, you know, I've got a I've got some very good news. I've, I've just signed a, a deal this year with a, a company called Major League Baseball. And I'm going to be, I'm going to be, and you know, I think I just broke that news right here on the podcast. So that's, news. that's, that's big news. But this year I'll be coaching uh, different camps around the country uh and as a partner with mlb i'll be an ambassador and a pied piper and i'll be bringing my drum and running sand lots and giving out nicknames at these play ball camps and honestly it was because of you it was don harvey wow. who came to my camp saw what i did and then he uh, started texting joe buck he said joe look at this guy watch this video joe sees it he's like who is this guy uh joe uh starts making calls flies to New York twice and meets with the commissioner of baseball on my behalf uh, and, and really got me the gig, you know, he got me in the door. So uh, it all started with, with coach Swede Risberg uh, raking, doing a random act of kindness. And, right. and it, it can be hard to text um, somebody like Joe Buck, who's famous and say, Hey, watch this video. Uh, and, uh, and you did that. So um can't thank you enough, man. And I'm, I'm, I'm coaching with MLB oh. now. Well, James, you know, um, 
one, another person that I know who has that same energy as you is Joe Buck. And I, it's funny, it's no accident that he is where he is. I mean, I know he, he, he's the son of a, of a very influential man and, and he grew up in that, so he had a lot of confidence. But aside from all of that, he's one of the nicest people I've ever met. Incre incredibly generous man. You talk about random acts of kindness. Uh, a few months back, uh, just before the Super Bowl, uh, Bill Plaschke from the LA Times did a, a, an article about a friend of mine, Louis Lazarus, who's 91 years old, called him the oldest living Rams fan. He probably, there's a few older, but uh, he went to the first Super Bowl. I paid $12 for his ticket at the Coliseum. Uh, you know, he's been watching the Rams, going to the Rams games. I don't know how long the Rams have been in existence, but I'm sure he probably went to the, one of the first ones. But uh, anyway, uh, Plaschke wrote this article about him and my sister was quoted in it and her husband was quoted in it. And uh, anyway, I sent Joe Buck uh, a link to that article. I said, have you seen this, Joe? This guy's a good friend of mine. And uh, he called me up about 10 minutes later and said, uh, I got two tickets for you to go to the Super Bowl. I mean, really, I never thought I was going to go to the Super Bowl. <laughs> I mean, not unless I had like, you know, $20,000 to spend on a ticket. But uh, there I was with Lewis Lazarus, 91-year-old Lewis, taking him in. Um, you know, this is what Joe does. He's a very generous guy. So... It's funny when I met when I met you, Coach. Really, I mean, just shortly after I met you, I thought, man, I got to introduce this guy to Joe Buck. And uh, you know, I'm really happy that I figured out a way to do that. But you know, the thing is, introductions are just that. They're introductions. We're introduced to many people in our lives, and and you know, most often it doesn't go anywhere. But you're the one. You're the one who takes the ball and runs with it. That's what you well. do. Well, brother, you, you take your opportunities and you and you and you make the most of them. And um, I, I say congratulations, man. Thank you, brother. It, it, you know, I th I think mom and dad, they they never they never asked me to settle. They they always <laughs> uh, they always they always got pumped up anytime I booked a gig. You know, my first line on a on a TV show was a, a show called Chuck and Chuck, the main character, Zach Levi, gets hit uh, right in the groin with a football and I come up. <laughs> Meathead number one is my character name, and I say, Woo, right in the pills. And that was my first line ever. That got me my SAG card. Wow. Hey, Chuck on NBC? Yeah. yeah. That was my favorite show. And I'm I that was our most favorite show, me and Deb. We loved that show. Oh, I gotta yeah. go back and watch it. I gotta you see. You gotta it watch it. Amazing. Meathead, you know, I wore my own clothes, but you know. <laughs> Uh, ooh, right in the pills. And that was it. That was the line. <laughs> but, Man. you know, they would get fired up anytime I'd book, like once a year, I'd book something and the, they just kept pushing me down this, this line. And, and they probably learned it from experience. You don't want to go into a line of work that you despise. It, it's going to mm. just wear on you. So um, being able to now, uh, almost 40 years old, uh, go to a baseball field today, uh, coach a bunch of kids and bring my drums and guitars. And this is old man Wrigley week. So I'm wearing a Cubs onesie with a Santa Claus wig and beard, like to be able to marry all my interests. Um, I need it. You know, when I have a week off work, I'm in the dumps, you know, that's kind of how it works. And I, I think that's the job you got to find. And so, uh, uh, thank you to, 
to to my parents and you and Joe and and many others that that uh, that got me there. So uh, yeah, that that's breaking news, and that that's that's for you right there, uh, Chopper. Back to you. It's just so exciting. Uh, yeah, <clears throat> I'm gonna love on you more too. I felt the same way Don did when I met you, and uh, it's why we're doing this podcast. Is that energy and that love and that joy. I wanted the world to see it. And I wanted uh, the message that you preach and, and I believe in, and I try to preach of just like, let's love our neighbor, you know, and let's be kind and let's be goofy, you know, let's, uh, you know, let's sit on a drum and bang a drum. And uh, everyone always asks you, how do you get the attention of these young kids? You're just, you're special, man. And now I didn't even know you're on Chuck. I loved you before that. Let's That's go. amazing. Let's go. So I love well, it. You know, I love you. And I'm so thankful every week I get to see you. And uh, you're the best, man. And, and I'm glad I got to meet Don, too. I'm ready for some trivia. I know you got trivia coming up. Well, I'm excited. Um, Can I just give have... one note? Please. The Mount Rushmore thing. I, I got to put Sean Penn up there, obviously. Bang. I didn't think about him. And, and Bruce Willis, both those guys. I was and, thinking, yeah. yeah, you got Bruce. Well, uh, the and I mean, we talked about six degrees so of separation of with There's Kevin so Bacon. I think I mean, you've John got five Cusack. degrees. You've got to have five degrees of everybody. Cusack. Uh, oh, and before we, get, Amazing. before we get into trivia, um, we got to talk eight men out. We got to talk it. it. Oh, how did you, it. how did you, how did it come about? How did you get the role? It was one of your first films, uh, but uh, was that an audition process as well? You know, I was out of town uh, doing a, a film in, in Israel, The Beast, and I came back and, uh, you know, I'd been back for about a week. And my agent said, um, uh, this is something they've been casting for months. They've been they've been doing this. And, you know, you're you're getting in at the last minute. They, they couldn't find anybody for this role. So, you know, give it a shot. And I knew David Strathairn, who was a good friend of uh, John Sales. We did a couple of things together before that. So I guess he put in a good word for me. And I met John Sales and you know, he was uh, very receptive. We had a great, uh, you know, great audition. And then a uh, week later, I was in Indianapolis and I was talking to the guys and they said, you, you know, you, you just joined us a week ago. They, these guys have been practicing for, for weeks, for months. They had been getting together every day. They worked, we worked with a guy named Ken Barry, uh, two-time gold glove winner, you know, played for the, um, uh, I think he played for the Royals. Uh, um, they definitely played for uh, uh, the Angels. Uh, I played for the White Sox, played for the White Sox. And uh, he was in the Royals uh, coaching uh, uh, farm teams, managing. But um, he was our coach, and he had been working with these guys for weeks. So I came in at the last minute, but he, he crammed a lot of uh, information. But, uh, you know, I, um, one day John Sales was looking at his storyboards, which is, you know, they draw out these figures of what they want the, you know, the pictures to look like in the movie and so they can give it to the director of photography and they can see we're going to come from this angle and this angle there's a shot of a guy it's called swede it's the sub the caption was swede boots the ball and there's a you know like a kind of a crude drawing of a guy and the ball's bouncing through his feet and you see a close-up of his face and they look just like me it's like they had the same features and everything and i said that wow john did you draw that and he said yeah I said, that's pretty good. That looks just like me. He goes, yeah, it does, doesn't it? I said, well, when did you draw that? He said, I, I drew it three years ago. Like, wow. <laughs> yeah, like he saw me in this role before he ever even met me. So I don't know, I guess it was just meant to be. 
but it was a wow incredible experience incredible Canberra we used to catch fly balls in the outfield and we're all standing out there with our gloves you know these people are hitting these huge bombs to us right we're standing almost up against the fence and uh, Ken Barry's got no glove on and you know they're just hitting these balls and they hit one to him he's we're talking we're talking all of a sudden he looks up and he takes a couple steps over thing just hits him right in the stomach boom catches it in his hands I saw that I was like wow that guy's a man of steel that's what you call a big leaguer right yeah, well, right. I mean, I, I've, I've been on a baseball field my whole life, but shooting a baseball movie is, is so different mm. and technical. Like, uh, you know, all the shots you think of your favorite baseball movies, all of those shots, like uh, there has to be a screen in front of the camera and in front of the director, just in case the hitter actually lines one, you know, uh, like there's so many close calls where you're trying to get this perfect shot of this player hitting a fly ball or a ground ball and think of field of dreams where Costner's throwing to Ray Liotta and, and he, you know, he, he actually hits a comebacker that uh, hits him in the foot or something like that. And that, that was not planned. They just improvised that. Like, you know, you, you've got these, uh, these expensive cameras that are right in front of home plate and you kind of need a coordinator. You need somebody there that, that be like this line drive could hit, the camera Absolutely. person right in right in the face so we've oh, got to have screens yeah. no, there's a couple and... of guys standing right there with mitts ready to catch the ball there's plexiglass in front of the you know with just a little window for the camera but around the camera is the plexiglass and the thing is you can't really fake that real life major league action so mm -hmm. you got to do a lot of takes because you might get it right but it just doesn't look real so you yeah. got to keep going i mean john Cusack at third base they they hit one day they they hit ground balls to him for probably at least a half an hour or more one after the other after the other and the, you know because he had to make this diving catch and he just kept missing it because it was like just out of his reach he just kept missing it you know and then he'd catch one but it would fall out of his glove and then finally they hit one he caught it and the, all the people there just erupted there was always a lot of extras in the stands watching as we were shooting the whole place just erupted and you know that you got to try to get that action moment. I had to do a double play where you oh. know, flipped it over. And, yeah, you know, buddy. Bill Irwin, Bill Irwin, who played Mr. Noodle. Who was the oh. best player on that cast? Who could play? Well, I'm going to say Charlie. Charlie Sheen. Although I know D.B. Sweeney, D.B. probably. <laughs> D.B. was good, but Char Charlie actually, I think, had some tryouts for some minor league teams. I mean, he, he, he was a really, really awesome player. He just looked like a baseball player incredible swing rocket arm i mean he was just a couple of those shots i don't know if they put him in the movie but just taking a ground ball in center field and throwing a strike to home plate on one hop you know did that about 20 times in a row i mean um i always used to hit batting practice see if he could hit one over the fence and if he couldn't hit it over the fence he wouldn't come in for his shot He'd be like charlie you gotta come in it's your shot he's like yeah yeah bam you know and just one day he couldn't actually get one over the fence. I guess it was wind out there or something. And they just kept sending PAs out there to get him. And finally, John Sales had to walk out. Come on, wow. Charlie. It's your, it's your scene. You better get back here and shoot it. But, um, yeah, it was a lot of fun. I mean, getting up in the morning, going to, on a baseball diamond all day and getting paid to do that to make a movie is just uh, unbelievable. And, that, and not only that, it was period movies. So you, not only are you doing baseball, but 
you feel like you're back in 1919, you know, the old uniforms, the gloves, everybody, all the extras are wearing all the clothes, all the billboards in the, you know, in the stadium, everything just looked beautiful. So uh, yeah, it was quite a, quite an experience. Man. Oh man. Well, uh, you, uh, we've been to some angels games and some Dodgers games, uh, but you're, you're a Tigers fan at heart. Mm. And uh, as always, on the podcast, we have a little trivia oh, where boy. our guest plays against Chopper oh, boy. Um, in, uh, in a little trivia. And this is going to be uh, Detroit Tigers <laughs> World Series trivia. So Ooh. as soon as you think you know the answer, go ahead and say it out loud okay. uh, to get the point. We've got seven questions, uh, so we will not have a tie. Oh. If neither of you know it, uh, then the listener gets the point. So listener, you can play along as well. Uh, we're going to start with uh, question number one. This is the 1968 World Series. Uh, the Tigers won the World Series in 1968. They beat the Cardinals in seven. They also won the World Series in 1984. They beat the Padres in five. Uh, question number one, who won the Cy Young in 1968? Denny McLean. Correct. One nothing yeah, to Don baby. Harvey. Woo. Uh, Denny McLean. Should he be in the Hall of Fame? Uh, yeah, not, is he not? He's the only not. person who, who won 31 games, last person to win wow. 30 games in a season. He won 31 in 1968. 31. But I think he had I think he had some off the field problems. Yep, had some After issues and it, it kind of a short stint. It's kind of like a Don Mattingly career where he's just the best player uh for that short uh, short span. But hey, the the, the length be. the length of the career helps you to get in the Hall of Fame. One nothing, Don Harvey. Uh, question number two: Who won the MVP in the American League that same year, nineteen sixty-eight? Oh, Al Al Kaline. That's a oh, I would have said Al Kaline. But- Kaline was on that team, but uh, he he actually he got hit by a pitch and broke his arm early in the. I think it was in May of sixty-eight. So he um, he didn't he he did play, but he didn't play a full season. Um, no, who's the American League MVP uh, that that year in 1968? Willie Horton. Go ahead, Don. Okay, no, Bill Freehand. <laughs> I'll just go through all the things. Yeah, right. I love it. I thought this might get you. Is he a Tiger? Denny McLean. Oh man, of course. He oh, won the Cy Young and the question. AL MVP. Yeah, of course. Wow. I don't know why I thought you know MVP has got to be like a hitter. Thirty-one Hitchers games. Don't normally win MVPs, right? Nope. No, I'm trying to think. Did Verlander Kershaw, Kershaw won Kershaw Cy Young and MVP? I don't know if he won both. I know he won MVP like in like 2014, I think. Speaking mm. of Kershaw, all-time Dodgers strikeout leader. Is that right? So cool. Yeah. And the Dodgers have been around for a long time. Mm. 18, 1884 or something like that. They used to be the Superbas. They had some really great names. Go back and look up the Dodgers names, just that franchise when they're back in Brooklyn. It's amazing. The Bridegrooms. The oh, yeah. Bridegrooms. Cubs were the blue whales. Oh uh, yeah. Um, okay. Uh, still one, nothing Don Harvey listener gets that point. Number three, who pitched three complete games, uh, winning Mickey all Lulich. of them. Mickey. <laughs> uh, Mickey Lolich is fan. correct. Mickey Lolich through three complete games, won all three in that world series. Can you believe that? Who does That's that? Amazing. That's who amazing. That's amazing. That's amazing. That's Madison. And he Bum- was like Bum- the, Bum- you know, he was not even the star. Denny McLean was the star. Yeah, Denny McLean just clutch. I think lost 
maybe both both his starts, right? Or did he just lose one of them? I don't know. Anyway. Um, wow. Well, yeah, I, I think he did. He did lose one of the one of those games in that World Series to Bob um, Gibson because it went seven. Bob Gibson probably beat him one to nothing. Yeah. Um, That's the cool thing about big moments is you just never know, right? So like you got this guy who was good, very good, obviously, but all of a sudden he becomes the superhero because he's able to keep that slow pulse and becomes a postseason legend like uh, Mark Lemke and Jeff Blauser. Very good hitters, but they hit over 400 in the playoffs always. And you're like, man, these guys are so clutch. It's so fun as a fan. David Freeze. Really cool. Jock yeah, Tober. Freezer. Jock Freeze. Jock. Um, I think we can get number, Freezer on here, Coach Ballgame. We got to oh. get Freezer. Yeah, yeah. We, we get, get Freezer. Freeze. Love there that guy. Freezer. 2011. Yeah. Come on, man. Freezer. Greatest I, I, game in the history of my life in baseball, except for the 68, I mean, 86 uh, Mets. Oh, Ooh, gosh. Yeah. By the way, there's a great uh, documentary. I, I think it might be a 30 for 30 on that 86 Mets team. Mm-hmm. You got to see that. Mm. Uh, John Lenny Dykstra. ESPN mm. Plus. It's a deep dive. Mookie Wilson. On that Mookie group. Wilson. Daryl Strawberry. Man. Dwight Strawberry. Gooden. Dwight Gooden. Dwight Gooden. Come on. Sid, uh, uh, Keith. Keith Hernandez. Yeah, man. Keith Hernandez. Number four, who were the only two Hall of Famers on that 1968 team? Al Kaline. Yep. Correct. And then uh, the other one only played in 31 games for the Tigers that season. That's your hint. Wow. Hall of Famer from that season. Oh. Initials. E.M. Eddie Matthews? Correct. That's wrong. Let's go. Wow. Eddie Matthews played 31 games on that 68 Tigers team. He must have been older at that time, right? He was. Yeah. I think he That's uh, was. because he was too old. For, I didn't really get to see him too much. I was just a kid. Um, so, each of you get a point. 3-1 Don Harvey uh, as we move to 1984. Let's go. I have an outside chance. Not really. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I was born. I was born. I was four years old. Uh, who was the uh, most valuable player of that 1984 World Series? Kurt Gibson? Alan Trammell. Alan hey, Trammell. Alan Trammell. Darn, was it? Guess. It was Alan Trammell. Yeah. Out of Good job. <laughs> so it could have went both ways. Alan Trammell, nine for 20 with two bombs in that series. <laughs> uh, Gibby, six for 18 with two bombs in that series. Yeah, Trammell got him. Nine for 20. How about Cecil Darn. Fielder? Cecil. Cecil. Prince's Cecil dad. bunk. Tony Gwynn went six for 19 in that series, I think. Oh, um, wow. There you go. Who managed that 1984 Tigers team? I can see his face. Oh, man. Come on. Was, uh, I can see his face. Sparky okay. Anderson? Sparky Correct. Anderson. Yeah. yeah. Sparky. Uh, Sparky. And, uh, <laughs> Sparky Anderson. Have you ever met him, Chopper? I have not met Sparky. We had a guest that talked about hanging out with sparky i'm trying to remember which guest it was um legend what a legend what hall of fame pitcher had two wins in that series for the tigers jack morris correct let's go yeah of course yeah i was jack back in 68 you got me you got me like i think it's 68 yeah jack morris a tight jack one that morris. don harvey sneaks out four to three on hey good job don. world series trivia good, job, good, good trivia that was, good. that was a good game good job <laughs> man oh man i'm i'm going down my line anything else i've missed uh chopper any any closing closing touches on on the uh on this episode i'm looking and uh 
And Don, thank you so much for coming on. And some of the things you talked about, uh, they're just they're they're just so synonymous with both sports and acting. You're know, talking Transcendent. about yeah, having a process, having a routine, um, believing in yourself, uh, keeping your same pulse, and you get that through your preparation and uh, that confidence and that ability to know you put in the work and you're ready. And then also having to work through anxiety. So you got that voice in your head. Can you breathe? Can you slow it down? Can you laugh at yourself? Uh, so I loved it. It was so cool meeting you. And I wish you the best of luck and continued success in your career and being a father with your daughter, Ashley. And um, I hope I got that right. Did I yeah, get that right? You got Ashley? it right. Ashley Corn, one way to go. It is not, it's not Scott. Hey, take care, Craig. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Craig. Don, I appreciate you. And hey, thank you so much for coming on and taking the time to spend with us. It's great meeting you. Oh, my pleasure. And uh, I look forward to meeting you in real life and look forward to seeing you soon, coach. The Don, you're the man. Thank you so Don. much. Uh, this will be out tomorrow. Um, and uh, probably my favorite one yet. Attaboy. Really good. So good. Let's, <laughs> give, let's give him an attaboy on three, folks. One, two, three. Attaboy. Attaboy. Thank you, we coach. We appreciate right. you. See you. See you, brother. Have a great day. Hey, thank you, Don. Thank All you. All right, man. See it. See you later. And there he goes. And there um, he goes so off in the sunset. <laughs> I'm going to eat my breakfast. I love you guys. Do it. All right. See you. All right, see man. You, so, that was great, uh, Coach. Wow. Yeah. I'm going to try and start bringing in, I mean, it, just anybody adjacent to baseball. I texted my my pal. What a name drop. This is Danny DeVito. He's, he's going to be on. He wants to do it. And same thing, you know, a, a, an actor that uh, that struggled for a decade, uh, you know, uh, and then kind of wrote his own story and did his own thing and produced his own, you know, started his own production company. Um, and and when I was texting him about this podcast, he's like, way to go, way to do it on your own. You're doing it yourself. And I was like, yeah, That's you right. taught me that, you know, you yeah. can't just wait for a phone call. Uh, you got to crank up your own thing. So and he um, and he's amazing because like my high school kids are like Danny yeah. DeVito. I'm like, yeah. So we're now. older, and now you got these kids because it's always sunny in Philadelphia. That he's still that, relevant. Yeah, and oh and he's just just a jerk, lifelonger. So Don's been doing this Grinder. for forty years. Uh, Danny's been doing it for sixty. Grinder. Um, yeah, just grinders. So that Corey was really Gearin's fun. another one, Coach. Coach, I want to get Corey Gearin on. He posted something recently that is just right up our alley. Um, teammates with Hunter Pence, but talking about it doesn't matter what comes our way. It's how we choose to navigate through it. Really powerful stuff. So we got to get Corey Gearing on. Um, he'll for sure come on. So I, I got to reach out. Just got to reach out to him. You'll love him. Before we uh, close up shop uh, today, you had a former guest text you. Um, and this uh, this actually went viral. I saw a video of this happening. Uh, Daniel Bard texted you. He had some uh, he needed some advice. What was that? He did. He said, uh, Chopper, uh, we're in Philly and we got a, a strength coach who's going to try to beat the uh, cheesesteak record. And uh, so I, I, I took that and ran with it and tried to give him like almost hourly how you would do it, thinking he was going to beat the one day challenge. Right. Because this you whole... did it right. You hold the record. Right. Well, or for one for one day. And I think I still do because he did a four day challenge. So I gave him all this deal. I'm like, hey, you got to get four in by so and so get two more in get another two somehow before the game ends. And then it's all hard after that and all this stuff. So he texts me back. He goes, oh, that's great advice. I'll pass it on. But he's going for 24 in four days. So my response was, 
24 in four days, does he have life insurance? <laughs> that was my, that, that's what it turned into. And he loved it. And I was like, Hey man, good luck. And <laughs> that is, well, it, it, it was, it was all over the web. And uh, that's a lot of cheese steaks. That's too much meat and cheese. Those <laughs> things are huge. Like they're not like the patent genos where you go get the, you know, these are a pound and a, like more than a pound of meat, huge loaf of bread, tons of saw. It's just, it isn't, this is not your normal cheesesteak. Wow. It's huge. 24 of those. Nuts. That's, that's 24 pounds of meat, uh, like eight slices of cheese times 24. Mm. 160 another uh, you know uh, yeah it's a lot over 200 slices of cheese it's ridiculous that's nuts it's crazy well, yeah. good on him and uh oh. good to see daniel bard doing well he's right there at the top of the sage list and um that yeah. next week maybe we'll, we'll recap some baseball it, it'll be a, a month of baseball we've been able to watch so we can recap oh, a little bit of the mlb and um yeah go get him tonight big game big um game. And uh, just uh, explore the space.